This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Ricardo. My name is Sam. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. What does it mean to be truly influential? There are people who can rightly claim to be a key influence behind a specific song, band, or album. These are all well and good, but what about people whose work was so groundbreaking they ended up inspiring an entire genre, style, or movement of music? On tonight's show, we'll be looking at some of these highly influential individuals, as well as a feature segment on one of the unsung architects of modern rock music, Mr. Chris Goss from Masters of Reality. When you take something as broad as metal, it's usually pretty hard to pinpoint the exact origins. Originally, I was thinking of doing rock and roll, but that's impossible to name any one person or band as the artist that started it. So with metal, while you have the odd song here and there that contain metal elements, metal as metal was essentially created by one band, Black Sabbath, or more specifically by one man, Tony Iommi because he was the primary songwriter and it is his particular sound that inspired everything that came after. So while I think Tony is the guy behind metal, I then also think that Ozzy Osbourne is the guy behind doom metal, as it was his style of singing that became so often replicated in doom metal. So yeah, Black Sabbath, at least according to us, created not just metal in general, but its first subgenre in doom metal. This is NIB or Nativity in Black.
while the majority of the bands involved in the new wave of british heavy metal were sticking to the standard heavy metal sound or branching out into power metal heading straight to glam there were the odd bands that stuck out as they dared to make heavy metal actually heavy one such band and one that we both agreed here absolutely had to be mentioned was venom because with their heavier sound, their fast and ugly guitars, harsh vocals, and often satanic themes, they essentially created thrash metal, death metal, and black metal, the latter even being the name of their second album. This pretty much makes Venom the most important band in the history of metal, aside from the maybe Black Sabbath. So from black metal, this is black metal. A black metal-ish song. Back to the 
1968, a little-known Jamaican record producer set off an unprecedented chain of events with the creation of the song People Funny Boy through the recently founded Upsetter Records. The producer was Rainford Perry, better known to the world as Lee Scratch Perry, and he had implemented a cutting-edge new innovation on the track. He was the very first person to use a sample. A crying baby, in case you were curious. And if that had been Perry's only major contribution to music history... He still would have earned his place on this episode, but Perry did no such thing, using this technique as the jumping-off point for a world-famous career that has been going for 60 years and counting. His innovations in the 60s and early 70s were instrumental to the trajectory of the reggae genre, and his use of samples and remixes led to the creation of the entire dub genre. Perry is still an active music producer to this very day, and given the magnitude of his influence, it's only fitting that this next track is actually a remix of his song, Big Ben Rock, from 2019. I said to rock, rock and rock, I said to rock, Charlie the rock. Rock and rock is in the big bin clock. Rock, rock, the big bin clock. Rock and rock is in the big bin clock. Rock, rock, the big bin clock. Rock and rock is in the big bin clock. Rock, rock, the big bin clock. Rock and rock is in the big bin clock. Rock, rock, the big bin clock. Rock and rock is in the big bin clock.
next one may be a bit of a personal favorite because up until this point we have covered some pretty big and pretty important names now with therian we are going much more specific because therian are the pioneers of one of my favorites being symphonic metal the idea behind symphonic metal had kind of been done before sure but it was more of a one-off type thing or novelty live shows combining metal usually power metal with an orchestra what Therian did, though, was add in the semi-operatic female singer and fully embrace what these two seemingly mismatched sounds could do together. There is no subgenre of metal that makes more sense to me than symphonic metal. The amount of metal musicians with classical training and an appreciation for that orchestral sound makes it so obvious that the structure would fit so well with an orchestra. Without Therian, I doubt we would have Nightwish, Within Temptation, or Epica, among many others and the world would be a much sadder place. This is The Beauty in Black.
now for a little bit of a change of pace. So I will admit to primarily knowing Ice-T for his work with Body Count. I mean, I knew he was a straight-up rapper, but did we know he's one of the, like, two guys who made gangster rap? Along with Schooly D, Ice-T was the guy. While his particular brand of gangster rap was a lot more political than many that came after, it's Ice-T that paved the way for N.W.A. and all that, well, came after. Weird. There's no more to say about this, really. I like the dude, though. Body counter awesome. This is Six in the Morning. SVU is pretty dope, too. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Shadita squeak across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, I take my escape. Didn't even get a chance to grab my old school tape. Mad with no music, happy cause free. And the streets to a player is the place to be. Got a knot in my pocket, when least a grand. Gold on my neck, my pistol's close in hand. I'm a self-made monster of the city streets. Remotely controlled by hard hip-hop beats. But just living in the city is a serious task. Didn't know what the cops wanted, didn't have time to ask. the night before posse to the corner where the fly girls chill through action at some freaks till one bitch got ill she started acting silly simply would not quit call us all punk pussies that we are one shit as we walked over to a hoe continued to speak so we beat the bitch down in the goddamn street but just living in the city is a serious task bitch didn't know what hit her didn't have time to ask I didn't want trouble, but the shit had to start. I 
with my crew, some punks got loud, shotgun blasts echoed through the crowd. Six punks hit, two punks died, all casualties were applied to their side. Human lives had to pass, just a talk amongst trash, we didn't know they were, no one had time to ask. And now, our feature artist. Tonight's feature artist is not a household name per se, but he has had an indelible hand in the shape of rock music for the decades nonetheless. Masters of Reality is a rock band formed in Syracuse, New York in 1981 by singer Chris Goss and guitarist Tim Harrington. The band's name might have been taken from a misprint of the classic Black Sabbath album, hey, Synergy, but their earliest work consisted of lo-fi experimentations mostly on drum machines and synthesizers. One of the band's earliest cheerleaders was super producer Rick Rubin, who signed them to Def Jam Recordings in 1986. This partnership was not fated to last long, however, but it did give this important band their first major break. By the release of their first album, 1989's Masters of Reality, the group had been fleshed out into a traditional rock quartet, and their style had shifted into a more straightforward style of blues rock that only hinted at the long-lasting impact of the group. And from that album, this is The Blue Garden. The circle spoke, the light fell, the spell broke, come down on me.
After a moment of extreme frustration with the band in their current state and touring life in general, Goss quit Masters of Reality in 1991, only to re-emerge a year later with a retooled lineup at his beck and call. This new edition of Masters of Reality featured none other than Cream drummer Ginger Baker behind the kit, and the band used this name recognition to fuel momentum for the release of their second album, Sunrise on the Suffer Bus, in 1993. The record was self-produced and introduced the world to a mellower, more nuanced and more varied version of the band than was presented in their debut. This was also the start of Chris Goss's career as a music producer, but I'll talk a lot more about that later. From that album, this is Rabbit One.
the longest time, these two first albums were the only studio material available to Masters of Reality fans. But there was a very good reason for this, as Chris Goss had found himself a lucrative side job as a sought-after music producer. From 92 until the end of the decade, Goss worked alongside Caius, Screaming Trees and Stone Temple Pilots, as well as establishing a long-term relationship with Queens of the Stone Age. Aside from their two most recent records, Chris Goss is featured on all of that band's albums as either a producer, a musician, or generally both. This not only makes a case for him being the godfather of California's desert rock scene, but has also made him one of the architects of modern rock music when you consider the influence that Queens has had over the genre for the past 20 years. When Massive Reality finally released their fourth album, Deep in the Hole, in 2001, this relationship was brought into sharp focus. Deep in the Hole featured a variety of current, former, and future members of Queens of the Stone Age, including Nick Oliveri, Troy Van Leeuwen, Dave Catching, and frontman Josh Homme, who co-wrote and performed on this next song, Roof of the Shed. Spending the day on the roof of the shed Telling myself I'll be better off dead Hung on the line, no sense of time Stuck in the crack of dawn, breaking your bread All this for nothing's the one thing I dread Fading away in the afternoon sun No clouds to hide in and nowhere to run Me and my friends, true to the end One left to bury and one to offend I'm leaving to lie in my sizzling
Spending the day on the roof of the shed Telling myself I'd be better off dead Given the big names he was now working with, it came as little surprise that Masters of Reality became less and less of Goss's focus as the years went by. Their most recent album, Pine Cross Dover, was released in 2009. As of the recording of this episode, there have been no word on any potential follow-ups. As the name suggests, Pine Cross Dover was originally conceived of as two EPs that were just kind of jammed together to make a single release. And it's a good thing they did, because I consider it to be the band's best and most varied record, which speaks very much to its fractured origin. From the pine half of this album, this is Worm in the Silk, featuring journeyman guitarist Dave Catching.
nothing at all. In 2002, Goss was introduced to former Marilyn Manson bass player Geordie White by Josh Homme. The two had been fans of each other's work for some time, so a collaboration between them was natural. In 2005, they released the I Got a Brand New Eggland Machine EP, which some people call a mini-album, and this was all done under the name Goon Moon. The purpose of this project was to create a space in which both musicians could scratch any artistic itch unfulfilled by their current bands, as well as writing, performing, and producing everything themselves without outside influence. In 2007, Goon Moon released their only proper full-length album, Licker's Last Leg. And true to the mission statement of the group, this album was a wild array of genres, moods, and styles. And as far as one-off supergroup albums go, I rate Licker's Last Leg as one of the all-time greats.
2013, Dave Grohl released a documentary as a eulogy of sorts to the legendary Sound City recording studio in Los Angeles. Between 1969 and 2011, Sound City Studios earned its reputation as a state-of-the-art facility and became a favourite location for producers the world over. And much like Sun Records and Muscle Shoals before it, the specific combination of the equipment at the studio had its own vibe. Thus, the Sound City sound was created and could be heard on albums by everybody from Fleetwood Mac and Johnny Cash to Nirvana and Metallica. Naturally, then, the soundtrack to this documentary was a star-studded affair, but I'm just wanting to draw attention to a single track on the album that I would argue is the best track on the album, entitled Centipede. Supporting Grohl on this track was Queens of the Stone Age frontman Josh Homme, Palm Desert mainstay Elaine Johannes, and Chris Goss. Better than any track before it, I feel as though Centipede does the best job at demonstrating the lineage of these rock and roll masterminds, cementing Goss's legacy once and for all.
And you know what? I reckon that's about time. Thank you for once again tuning into the Outer Limit Frequency. We appreciate all your support and endless adoration and can keep that fandom and adoration up by jumping onto Spotify. Type in the Outer Limit Frequency. Look for our gorgeous faces. And if you click there, you will have dozens of episodes of more premium content. And so I probably don't even really need to introduce next week's episode, seeing as you're going to be listening anyway, and you'll get the gist once, once you know, you're listening to it. But uh, yeah, join us next week when we are taking a look at the aftermath of grunge. We will see you then. Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.